Welcome to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, the show where you call in and let us know what's on your mind. Well, tonight, a lot has happened, and I'm still waiting for Michelle. She should be in any second now. But if you would like to call and talk to me, because I'm by myself, it's 603-435-1105, and let me know what's on your mind tonight. So it's Wayne and Wayne and Wayne right now. And maybe we can start out by talking about Wyoming. The state of Wyoming has adopted a constitutional carry of firearms. Uh, An important step was taken yesterday in Wyoming toward restoring the constitutionality protected right. I'm sorry, the constitutionally protected right of Americans to keep and bear arms as that state became the second in less than a year to enact legislation affirming the right of its citizens to carry a concealed firearm without a special issued license. Following adoption in the state Senate, the vote of the House in Wyoming legislature approved the bill by a vote of 48 to 8 several weeks ago, and Governor Matt Mead signed it into law March 3rd, which was last week. Hi, Michelle. <laughs> Hi, Wayne. I just got here by the skin of my teeth from Boston. From San Antonio, Texas, actually. Awesome. You got a little tan there going. Really? No, I think I'm just like a little distressed from <laughs> driving in fog and rain and floods and it's crazy out there. Yeah, it was for me coming down. I didn't come as far as you did. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was Wayne, Wayne and Wayne tonight when I, <laughs> when I opened so the show. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't even stop to say hi to the boys. You didn't? No. Wow. I, didn't, uh, I slept two hours and I've been traveling since five this morning. Wow. I know for what you, that's like. Because I wanted to see you, Wayne. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But I'm I was, sorry I'm late. It's okay. I was just opening with Wyoming. They adopted constitutional carry. They uh, Guns, guns, yeah, guns. Guns, guns, guns. Safety, safety, safety. And less crime, less crime, less crime. Yay. Yay. Good to see you. You too. It's nice. been a while. I know I was away too in the last month. Yeah, you're the, tan and handsome the, looking as ever. Oh, come on. I'm too old for that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not handsome at all. Good. Uh, that's all right. I see the world from the inside out. So. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. One of these days I'm going to be as enlightened and everything. <laughs> I try anyway until I look in the mirror and I say, oh, man, gray hairs all over. <laughs> it's all about uplighting and not having uh, mirrors in your house. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you have a small house, you need mirrors. It makes it look bigger. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, I'll let you get settled for a minute and I'll, I'll carry on with this Wyoming thing until we get a couple callers here. Uh The right to carry a concealed firearm without a special license issued by the state is often referred to as constitutional carry. Wyoming is now the fourth state in the union that recognizes constitutional carry, joining Alaska, Arizona, and Vermont. Prior to Wyoming's action, Arizona was the most recent state to adopt constitutional carry. Governor Jan Brewer signed the legislation in April of last year, and it went into effect a few months later on July 29th. So what do you think of that? Isn't that funny that we're celebrating? Because I I assume that, you know, people are celebrating constitutional carry as if, I mean, the government's already giving you a right to do something that you already have a right to do. Woohoo! Well, you're right. And I think that's what people are waking up to. They're waking up to the fact that why do you need uh, permission or a license, have to pay for this piece of paper to exercise rights that are inherently yours to begin with? Why do you have to have a license to do a lot of things? Sure, like get married, get for married. example. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's been a pet peeve of mine for years. Have a baby, really, because a birth certificate is essentially unless you have it at home. Yes, unless you have it at home. You know, I wonder how that works out. Like whether or not, because I I didn't have any of my children at home, uh, whether or not you're required to get a, a birth certificate and how difficult it is. Because I know how difficult it was 
for my daughter to do a lot of things, apply for colleges and things without a social security number. Mm-hmm. I wonder how difficult it is, you know, to do things without a birth certificate. That would be more difficult, especially with this ID crazed uh, uh, trend that we've been on since since the Patriot Act, where when I got my license up here in New Hampshire, my driver's, driver's license, license mm-hmm. I, I ha- actually had to go back to the, the city in which I was born down in Connecticut and get an original, you know, certified copy of my birth certificate because the one I had, the short form was not good enough for them. The one that my parents wow. gave me that they've been carrying ever since I was born, it's, it's a smaller one. It's like a half a page. I needed the full page one. So I, I go down to Waterbury, Connecticut, and uh, in this old you know, building, it was still there like when I was a kid, you know, with the, with the old oh, uh, it's metal. Oh, really old. Yeah, with, with the old <laughs> steel desks from the 50s in it, you know, and, and they go in the back and they get this huge book about this thick, which was, a, which is among a, a big, he, ladies and gentlemen, full. it was about four inches thick. <laughs> he's showing me with his index finger. Well, and the webcam, you know, watchers can see it, but yeah, that, thank you, Michelle. Uh-huh. But anyway, they, there's all these big, huge books, the size of encyclopedias uh, and walls and walls full of shelves. They, they find the one that I'm in, they take it out, they open it up and they made a copy of it and then they stamp it, you know, and then all of a sudden that's, that's good that's that's right. a, that's an authentic birth certificate that's a reason for me to not get a driver's license in new hampshire well any state that you that you try to change okay, licenses a, in a now. reason for me to not get a state a license in any state well <laughs> that's what you'd be going through because you've got to have a birth certificate um if you have a social security card that helps i don't think i use that i think i just use my birth certificate and maybe a, fo- a, a utility bill and it, it wasn't that bad here compared to what mm-hmm. it could have been well, New Hampshire is definitely the freest state I've ever lived in, in terms of, you know, uh, bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoy it here. And, and the people I'm meeting, even in my town, you know, I meet a lot of liberty-oriented people that, that are New Hampshire native people who, mm-hmm. um, you also have a lot of people from other places who kind of bring their ways with them. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you spent some time in, in California. Yes, and, and if you observe what happened in the surrounding states, as California got really rapacious and, and silly and ridiculous, people move out and they go to states like Oregon and Washington and Arizona right. and Nevada and, and Colorado and, and those states. And, and they end up, what's really funny is, is so many times they end up uh, bringing or, or trying to recreate the very thing they're running away from. No kidding. I'm actually from Oregon originally. And then um, my mom and dad, mom lived in Oregon and dad lived in California. So I went back and forth between the two places. And um, actually, the Californians moving to Oregon was just disastrous, mm-hmm. you know, from the perspective of the Oregonians. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, they say that here in New Hampshire about uh, Massachusetts and uh, some people from Massachusetts who are really liberty oriented people. But there's also a lot of people from Mass who uh, end up being or very statist and they end up right. uh, trying to change New Hampshire and mold it the way they think it's right. Although they, the place they left wasn't very functional. Right. I think that that comes from people being agenda oriented rather than principle based. Mm-hmm. So there are things that upset them, which is why they move. Maybe they don't like the taxes. Maybe they don't like the healthcare system. Maybe they don't like the what Romney mar- care. <laughs> right. Um, he was just here by the way. Oh, um, boy. The, uh, or, you know, the marijuana laws, for example, and so because they, you know, those, that particular agenda or agendas drives them away from the less free place to the more free place, they go ahead and migrate there, but they still have that status is, you know, for lack of a better word, um, uh, upbringing, worldview. Yeah. worldview, thank you. And so they end up kind of contaminating 
everything. So, you know, I always encourage people to start with a principle. And I have essentially narrowed down my entire philosophy after years of study and, you know, college degree and blah, blah, uh, to the word no. If I can say no and not be penalized or not be um, threatened or coerced or forced uh, into something, you know, that I'm saying no to, then I'm free. That's that's a good point. That's mm -hmm. a very good point. And um, because you can say yes to lots of things, but, you know, whether or not you can say no, that has just simply been the um, been the uh, the most foundational thing for me, you know, and so I guess then it leads to things like negative rights. You have the right to not be harmed. You have the right to not be molested. You have the right to not be robbed, et cetera, you know, and, and, um, yeah, it all ties in very well with the non-aggression principle because you hear people who get all fired up because they saw, they heard some talk show host bashing Muslims, for example. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, you know, it isn't about them being Muslim. It's about the non-aggression principle. If, if those people live side by side with you and do not aggress against you, do not say, tell you, you have to be a member of their religion or whatever. That's fine. That's what this country is all about. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you start saying, oh, this person's evil because they're a Muslim or because they're a Buddhist or because they're whatever, then you're really, you're, you're aggressing then because that encourages aggression the other way. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm excited to be here. Me too. Me too. (laughs) We'll be right back and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, this uh, constitutional carry issue. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. It's the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where you take control and, of the airways and call in and let us know what's on your mind. This evening with you, it is Wayne and Michelle. And you can let us know by calling 603-435-1105. Talk at us, squawk at us, whatever you like <laughs> about what we're talking about or something else. Balk at us. Yeah, balk at us. us. Yeah, you don't go mock at us. I'm too sensitive for oh, that. Oh yeah, give it a try. I'm just gonna get, <laughs> give it right back to you. <laughs> I know. I would mock you, Michelle. You're I just, so I just do a parody. Way. That's all. <laughs> but I won't mock you, Lucy. <laughs> <laughs> Lucy, I'm home. Uh, me, Tarzan. You, Jane. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you have to wear that leopard skin stuff. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> now you sound like Mark. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, Mark sounds like me. I'm older. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, we were talking before the break about constitutional carry and how it's a trend that seems to be growing among several states in the U.S. And uh, right now it appears that the trend is likely to continue with several states weighing adoption of measures similar to what became law today or last week, rather, in Wyoming. An article from the Associated Press declares that similar bills are pending in states including Colorado, Minnesota, Montana, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Utah. A bill has been introduced in Kentucky but hasn't advanced while another was introduced for discussion in Idaho. In the aftermath of the Tucson tragedy, this is really interesting, Michelle, organizations opposed to the Second Amendment-defined rights attempted to exploit the deaths and injuries that occurred when Jared Loeffner allegedly attempted to murder Representative Gabrielle Giffords. However, the fumbling efforts of Pima County Sheriff Clarence Dupnik to politicize the tragedy appear to have backfired on the gun control lobby. 
Rather than scaring the populace into surrendering more of their rights for the illusion of security, January 2011 gun sales surged 9.7% over the same month the previous year, an increase which builds on a trend in gun purchases since November 2008. And guess what November 2008 was? I'm embarrassed to say I don't know. The last presidential election. Oh, okay. Yeah, because some people were scared that... Um, you know, the, the new president would be a gun grabber, so they thought they'd grab as many guns as they could before right. they got them grabbed from them. Well, okay, so so I'm interested. Um, I haven't read this article, obviously. Do you think that this is coming from kind of uh, uh, philosophical and, um, as I'd mentioned before, a principle-based um, position, or is this like the Tea Partiers that are, you know, getting out there and... Um, uh, is it more of an agenda led by them? The reason I ask is, is this going to be people who are standing up for their rights, or, you know, to defend themselves because they're human beings and they have a right to their life and to liberty and property? Or is this simply like an attempt to roll back bad laws? I think it's probably both. In this article, they go on to say, which is you're right in line with with their reasoning in this article, the author says, undoubtedly, there are several factors behind the movement at this time to restore more, more of the constitutionally recognized keep, right to keep and bear arms to the people of the United States. Economics and a greater perceived need to be responsible for one's own defense are am- among those factors. In the words of the AP article, quote, the push to expand permit-free carry of concealed guns is coming from people demanding the freedom to protect themselves in tef- tough economic times without the requirement to pay for state permits. National Rifle Association spokesman Andrew Arulid, whatever, said, It's an organic movement, he said. I think certainly we are leading the charge, but I'm not, behind, I'm not hiding behind it. A lot of this is organic in the sense that it comes from people realizing that when something bad happens, it's up to them to defend themselves and their loved ones. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and when something bad happens, instant responders are better than first responders. Amen. Yeah. Another factor in the push to expand the right of self-defense in the direction of the liberty enumerated in the Bill of Rights is the sense that many Americans have uh, feel that their liberties have already been steadily eroded for many years. The same concerns that animated Tea Party activists and other constitutional conservatives and libertarians are active in the movement for con- constitutional carry. People who neglect the ex- to exercise their constitutional rights may soon find those rights have been usurped by the state. First in Arizona, now in Wyoming, the people are pushing back, mm-hmm. which is very good to see. Yes, it, I would agree. It gives you a little hope for the future for your children and grandchildren when you see things like that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Which, as we've mentioned so many times before, is really what motivates you and I as parents, you know, to... To uh, be here. To, yes, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It, I've had, I've had, because I just assume being on a beach in Kauai or Costa Rica or something like that, you know, me too. I've been there (laughs) and I could go back, (laughs) Right. but there's more important fish to fry, so to speak right now. Yeah. Because you and I had a chance to do that. We got to, uh, we got to have a reckless youth. That's right. Because I know you lived in Hawaii also. And I think you, you lived there for a a period of time when I was there too. And we never met up, did we? Yeah. I was there in 86. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It was an uh, interesting time. And you, you drove a pedicab down there, didn't you? <laughs> I did. So you were a little I entrepreneur did. right from the start, weren't you? Yes. Well, you know, I, I um, started with lemonade stands, you know, yep. um, lending money to my brothers for an interest and things like that. But the wonderful thing about a pedicab was that 
I could um, have my own hours and uh, be outside and listen to, um, oh gosh, this like goes back. Like I think one of the tapes, I had a cassette tape was um, that I would listen to was uh, Janet Jackson's Nasty, mm-hmm. Nasty Boys. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, flying through the airwaves at that time. Yes. But you know, it, it wasn't even something, I grew up in, in Oregon and uh, California for the most part, and and um, Mr. Stewart, Keith Stewart, very nice man, was uh, was and still is my mother's next door neighbor, and um, he had a sporting goods store, and that's where I bought my first bicycle, and that's where you got your fishing tackle as well as guns and things, and and Mr. Stewart had his guns. Um, I I don't recall him ever. I don't recall seeing handguns, but you know shotguns and rifles, and he was an avid hunter, and um, he had them in a case. And my brothers and I were pretty much welcome to go sneak over the the uh, through the blackberry bushes or over the fence and go into their home pretty much and and um, not that, that was really something we did but it was always you know known that we could but I remember seeing Mr. Stewart with his guns out and he would be cleaning them it would never ever ever have occurred to me to ever touch his guns or anything and in fact in all the time I was growing up there was um there was only one gun accident ever. That and um and one uh uh suicide with a gun. Well, you see a lot more car accidents where people were killed than even gun accidents. So should they outlaw cars too? Correct. You know. Anyway, we have a caller, Michelle. Let's see who it is. We'll we'll take this unscreened. Hello, who's this, and where are you from? You're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Hello. Hello, are you there? You got to speak into the uh, that piece on your phone. The telly. <laughs> are you still on the telly? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Maybe they pulled away. Okay, or... well, if you're still there and we're just not... Oh, yes. you just got them. <laughs> no, I just... Did you hear something? No, but oh. I saw the light go off. Oh, well, I, I had to drop them because I, I, I hit it and didn't say anything, but Oops, maybe they'll call back. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. I hope they will. But anyway, you know, th- th- that gets back to entrepreneurship, Michelle, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, after this next little Great. pause here. And give us a call, 603-435-1105. And maybe whoever called last time, oh, they called back. So we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where we'd like you to call in and give us your opinion and your thoughts on things. The number is 603-435-1105, and also visit our website at freetalklive.com and look at all that they have to offer there, including the the message boards and the stories and uh, the webcam, too. We're on the webcam right now, Michelle. I turned it on so we can say hi. Can I do... Can I do... Rabbit ears, yeah, rabbit ears behind your nice. head. I can't. I can't reach that far. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, but anyway, we've got Kyle from California on. So let's uh, let's see what Kyle has to say. Hello, you're on Free Talk Live. Is this Kyle? I am not working this board so well today, am I? Let me see. Kyle, you there? Okay, I'm going to step Kyle. away. I'm going to step away and get some technical assistance. Kyle, don't go anywhere. Yes. Wayne will enter. Uh, I think he sings. Maybe he'll sing for y'all. No, maybe the volume's down or something here because this thing should be working. I'm, I'm touching the right buttons and it's just not, I'm not getting Kyle. What's going on? Kyle, you there? 
Hello, hello. Let me see if I can do this. Hello, Kyle? Hello? Wow, this is just wiggy. I'm, I'm juggling chainsaws here with this board, everybody, so bear with me, but something is not working. I did put this back there. Oh, now we've got a dial tone. Ooh, Kyle, you there? Ah, all right. Well, we'll wait. Hey, somebody else called here. I'm going to hit the top one, I think. Great. Let's try it. Kyle, you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, you called back again. Is this your third time calling? (laughs) No, I've called. This is my third time. But yeah, I keep getting hung up on. I know. <laughs> I'm oh, so gosh, sorry. Yeah, Wayne and I are um, are really pretty new to this Sunday night doing it, um, hosting it ourselves. Um, so thank you for calling back. We really appreciate it, Kyle. Yeah, not a problem. Uh, me, my wife, and well, my brand new daughter are uh, signers to the free project, uh, free state project. So we're just trying to save some money so we can move our family out there. Oh, right on. And, Excellent. Uh, thank you. And, Where in um, California are you I'm, from? Uh, Northern California, Solano County. I'm sorry, what county? Solano. Oh, right on. I used to live in uh, Lake Tahoe. Oh, yeah, that's almost close. Yes. So, so what about California is motivating you to come east? Oh, God, don't get me started. Well, go <laughs> ahead. That's why we're here. Actually, why I was calling is uh, I'm completely pro-liberty, and I'm calling to say that give the union protesters everything they want. Give everybody who wants welfare all the money they want, and, you know, just completely bleed the government dry in hopes of collapsing it. Because if they become uh, completely fiscal, uh, fiscally responsible, then it's just going to continue on. And so, you know, just through my uh, philosophical, you know, thinking of how do we get to a voluntary society, you know, because do you ever see the federal government backing off their stances or the state governments backing off their stances? and <clears throat> The only logical way I see any... Uh, voluntary society coming around around these governments is for them just to crumble under their own weight. Kyle, I, you know, if I could respond to that, um, I understand your point of view, and that is actually a point of view that is shared by people in regard to uh, activism. And oftentimes people will allow themselves to get arrested for the purpose of bleeding the system dry. And so I, I do understand that position. This is the problem I have with it, though, is that you know, out of the, um, I want liberty to come forth, not chaos. And so what my fear is, is that if you, if, if we say yes to all these things, give them what they want, so to speak, then those who might not have arrived at the same conclusion and the same position of liberty as you or I, um, I think are going to maybe be reactive. And so instead of saying, drawing a line in the sand, saying no more of this, instead they're going to be so abused that they're going to um, basically be like a caged animal that fights back and is violent. And we do not want violence. We are, you know, not, the non-aggression principle is tantamount to uh to, to liberty, actually. The other problem, too, is that in the short run, if you give them all their demands, what happens, of course, is the taxpayers are squeezed further. And, and if yeah, you look then at, they'll wake up and see what happens when you have a socialist society. Well, I think they've already seen that. That's why there's such a fight now, because the taxpayers are realizing that this is not working. And, and then you look back in history and you look at the fact that the uh, president of the AFL-CIO, even FDR, were against public... Uh, 
collective bargaining. They didn't feel that unions were appropriate for public employees because uh, then you're pitting the unions against the taxpayers. Uh, so that you know, I see that as a problem. But I think that if unions are are um, voluntarily joined and there's no coercion and they can vote in secret, you know, and and if if enough of them vote to um, vote for collective bargaining, that's fine in the private sector. But in the private sector, if the union gets too aggressive, uh, the company they work for either goes out of business or they move away. Whereas when it's government and you have union employees demanding more and more, of course the taxpayers just keep getting uh, hammered. Then they. Yeah, then they get hammered and they move to a more uh, libertarian-based society such as New Hampshire or some of the other ones. So, I mean, because I have some liberal friends and I'm like, hey, you know, we got so many different types of people from extreme liberal to extreme libertarian and everywhere in between. How do we have this federal government who's not going to back off one step? How do we get, you know, government that's right for everybody? And they agree. They're like, yeah, well, you know, federal government's not going to back off on anything. You know, they just want to control everything and everything in between. And Well, that's the whole idea behind each individual state, too, is that if one state like Wisconsin or Vermont wants to be more socialist, then if, if you know, a lot the people want to do that in a voluntary way, yeah, that's great. I, I, I think if you're going to be more of a commie, uh, a, com- <laughs> a commune is probably better because then you can leave, too. But in, in a communist-type uh, system... Uh, if it's a nation, of course, a communist state, you can't leave. But um, Another know. point is to lead by example. Something that happened up here, Kyle, which you know I think should give you some encouragement, is um, a week and a half or so ago, the Democrat dem- uh, governor of, um, of Vermont, which is, you know, I don't know if you spent any time here, but you can travel through five states in a few hours, you know, as opposed to California, which takes you, you know, 13 hours to get from top to bottom. But um, so Vermont is very close to us. It's beautiful. It's very similar in um, the rural beauty and everything. And, and it has a lot to offer. And it's very charming and cute. And Lots artsy. of beautiful mom and pop general stores. Yes, it's We have great. some here, too. But there's even more, I think, over there. Yes. Um, now, the but they are, although they're more socially liberal in many ways than New Hampshire, um, like with marijuana laws and, and some other things, um, the uh, fiscally they just taxed, you know, the people to death. And the Democrat legislature went to the governor and said, we need to raise taxes. And, you know, he very tongue in cheek uh, said, are you kidding? I can see New Hampshire from my house. And so, of (laughs) course, he was referencing Tina Fey's parody of Sarah Palin and her, you know, I can see Russia from my house thing. But he followed that up with New Hampshire doesn't have state income tax. It does not have sales tax. We do have a few sales taxes on some services and things. But the tax, taxes here are very minimal. If you buy a car or a computer, you don't have to pay sales tax on it. And, um, and so the governor is, you know, and the state of Vermont is feeling the, the squeeze, knowing mm-hmm. that those people, their tax base can simply leave and move to New Hampshire and they could still work over there. So do you see what I'm saying that that I think to lead by example as opposed to to um further vote to to uh punish people so that they fight back? I mean, mm-hmm. do you see I mean And as more people lose their homes because they can't afford the property taxes, that also puts the burden on fewer and fewer people. Because there there are a lot of towns now uh in certain places where Half the houses are empty. In some, look at Flint, Michigan, and so the tax burden is on uh, a few people now, 
Um, there's a lot of empty homes. They've torn homes down up in Flint, Michigan. I've seen pictures of entire blocks. In Detroit, blocks. they're selling homes for $100. Well, because they want the property tax revenue. It's not about the house anymore. So, Kyle, so what do you do? Um, what do you do there in California since you're not able to move out here yet to promote liberty? And if you want to come back and you know after this, then um, we'd love to hear about it. You want to stick around? Sure. All right. We'll put you on hold. We'll be right back for the Sunday night edition. 603-435-1105. Give us a call. Welcome back to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where you take control. The number is 603-435-1105. Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, with you tonight is Tarzan. <laughs> and Jane. Yeah, that's right. Wayne and Michelle are here with you. And we were talking with Kyle in California. So let's bring Kyle back and see what else we can talk about with California. Hey, Kyle, you still there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. So we were talking about you leaving California and some of the things that you didn't like about being there. Why don't you go on? I, I know there's pl- probably plenty because I've lived in California and so is Michelle. So we're all ears. Well, you know, I'm a, not a hunter or anything, but I, you know, I'm an avid uh, gun rights uh, person. You know, I own three firearms and out here in California, you can't have certain firearms with detachable magazines, meaning you got to have a tool to remove the magazine from the the weapon. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, out in New Hampshire, that that definitely be much better. I can actually take my magazines out of my AK without having to pull out a tool. So that'd be, you know, that's one reason. And, you know, I'm com- completely liberty-minded. And <clears throat> But I would really like to get back to, you know, how we get to the voluntary society because, I mean, what do you think is going to happen? Fiscally responsible governments are going to back off on their their tyrannical um, well, dictats, or, Kyle, you know, they're going to fall in on themselves. Well, let's first distinguish between the federal and state governments, because some of the state governments are now under enormous pressure to cut spending and because they can't print money. So in New Hampshire, you know, we've, we've uh, the last election, we have a lot of liberty-oriented state reps here, and, and it, it just, it's, it's exemplified by some of the laws that they've, uh, and some of the legislation now that they're sponsoring. But in other states like California, you're not going to have that because you're, it's still overrun with, with people who are still living in the 60s and 70s. So, Kyle, you said, how are we going to get to a voluntary society? And I um, would say of, you know, of a lot of the people that are co-hosts here, I'm one of the few who's pretty much total anarchist. Like I don't I think I'm the only one that doesn't vote and um, not for state or, or for anything else, simply because I think it's immoral for me to have a uh, a uh, say in who governs you unless you and I are part of a voluntary group. And I don't think that just because you live within a, um, a an imaginary uh, boundary that that makes you somehow um, indebted to that you know particular area. And that's a whole another conversation. But anyway, the point is, is that I don't vote. And so within the spectrum of the Free State Project, not everyone is an anarchist. There are some, which you would probably call minarchists, who believe that um, that what we ought to do to reach this voluntary society is to work within the system. 
So you have, um, there have been 50, I believe, uh, uh, pro-liberty people that were elected to office. It's pretty amazing in November, Mm -hmm. 12 of whom are free staters. And uh, one in particular, I think it's Andrew Mancuso, uh, uh, wrote a bill and that is to essentially, um, and Andrew, if you're listening and, and I say this wrong, please call in and correct me. But um, in any event, it would make the pat-downs by TSA illegal in the state of New Hampshire. And so the idea is to incrementally uh, do away with the government, while at the same time, uh, people that are um, agorists, uh, chiefly like Jack Schimmick is is a very good example of that. He has the Alt Expo every year at Porkfest and Liberty Forum and, and other Shire um, agorist community activities and things. And so what he promotes is competing with the state, essentially. Um, and so so that's another way of doing that. So we kind of come at it from lots of different angles and and just, you know, kill the beast, you know, and, and you know, cut off its head and kill the tail and stab it in the heart and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So for you, what is it that you in particular are doing now? Because it's you're not going to come here and start all of a sudden doing something. You need to come here and bring what it is that you're doing and then just do it better and do it more. So what are you doing now well, for Liberty? Well, right. In, well, out in California, I mean, there's not a whole lot of people that'll show up for me in court, you know, so, you know, I'm trying to hold back on stuff that can get me arrested. Um, but I am, I'm an agorist mechanic, so I operate without a license and completely uh, under the, under the, the radar you know, of uh, government officials and stuff as far as working on cars. Awesome. Are so you a general mechanic or do you specialize in transmissions or something and foreign cars, domestic cars? What's your specialty? Um, just about everything. I'd, uh, I'm AC certified, which is a non-governmental uh, certifi- certified deal. So um, I'm AC certified in brakes, air conditioning, uh, electrical, uh, steering and suspension, also some uh, heavier duty stuff as well. Well, I have an I have an Audi and a Dodge Mega Cab and a Ducati Monster. So, um, so I, I've got plenty of work for you if you are <laughs> if you are uh, as as good as we would hope you would be. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'd like to think I'm very proficient. And uh, as far as mechanics go, you know, I've been doing it my whole adult life, and so that's not something that. Uh, in fact, my uh, I was working for one of the cities out here. You guys may have heard about Vallejo claiming bankruptcy and stuff. I'm sorry, you cut out on that. Can you repeat that last day, sentence? I said I used to work for one of the cities out here before I'd become aware of uh, my political leanings. Before right. I was very apathetic, and so I used to work for the city of Vallejo, which uh, collapsed, uh, you know, like a year or two ago and claimed bankruptcy. And anyway, while I was working there, uh, after I discovered Free Talk Live, and um, I'm like, oh, man, i got to move to New Hampshire once mm-hmm. I, you know, figured out what was what, what I really felt as far as politics go, and... Uh, I actually told my boss when I was, you know, telling him about I want to quit. I want. I don't want to work here anymore. And uh, I told him, I said, "Yeah, this this whole job is funded by theft." And you should have seen the look on his face. It was absolutely hilarious. He was dumbfounded, huh? Yeah, he's like, "Well, what do you mean?" 
Well, and, you know, I had to expose the whole gun in the room to them, how, you know, sure. police will show up and throw you in a cage. And Sure. You know, um, one thing that I've kind of coined, well, no, I have coined is my motto here. And believe me, every time I say this, I get plenty of, of people who write to me on Facebook and give a litany of ways that I haven't been loving. So I'll just say I'm not perfect, but I certainly get up every morning and try my best. And I've been doing this for 30 years. So I'm you know, I'm better than some and not as good as others. And so I aspire to be better. But that is to love people to liberty rather than beat them over the head with it, rather than scare them into it. I like to draw them along. And one of the things that happens when there are new converts that I've noticed um, is that you become filled with a sense of self-righteousness because now you know the truth. And we're human and we like to be right. We like to I mean, it's just it's you know, we, it's it's. Feels good. Well, there's something you said for shock value, though. I mean, you can't, you know, just telling somebody, you know, about the basic philosophies isn't going to open as many eyes as completely exposing the state for what it is. So, I mean, and then once you, because when I first, uh, what really got me going was Ron Paul and, Mm -hmm. you know, I was Constitution and limited, limited government. And, you know, I started getting friend invites on YouTube from anarchists. And I'm like, you know, these guys are you know, bomb throwers, and they want to smash the state <laughs> and smash capitalism, right? And, you know, that's a typical spot, you know? And so, Isn't that know, funny that we're it, more afraid me, of the word state than we are anarchy? Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Anarchy we're more afraid of the word sta- uh, yeah, anarchy be, because than they, state. Because right. the, the collective reality has been conditioned to equate anarchy with chaos, when really, when the state gets too big, that's when the real chaos occurs. Yeah, and so that's that's what got you know is that shock value. You know, once it was completely the state was completely exposed for what it is, that shock kind of threw my whole you know uh, limited government crap out the window because it's it's fallacious. There's no, it's limited government. It's like a you know smart jock or whatever oxymoron. Oh, now come on here, <laughs> Wade and I are both athletes, so um, and <laughs> so give me a break there. Well, some jocks aren't too swift, especially if they've been hit in the head a lot. But, you know, uh, fortunately, Michelle or I have not been hit in the head too many times right. in our life. <laughs> but listen, Kyle, thanks so much for calling, and we hope to see you at Porkfest. Are you guys coming for that, you and your wife? No, no. I gotta, that's a pretty uh, expensive trip. I'm really trying to save so I can move out there. Oh, right on. Great. Well, stay in touch. And, you know, there's a, the free Keen forum. You can get on that. And that's where you can kind of advertise about what it is that you do. And you can actually, you know, get on there and, and start. It'll help you, you know, plan and prepare for your move. I have great respect for a good mechanic. So I'm sure you won't, won't find much trouble uh, getting work here. And I don't know what the licensing, if that's different or, or less onerous than California, but I'm sure it is. Licensing, he is an agorist. Well, sure, but I mean, it's nice to know you don't even need one. Yes, that is true. So, anyway, thanks for calling in. We hope to hear from you soon. Great. All right, Michelle. Well, that's it. You know, that's encouraging. I'm really happy to hear. You know, people from California who are, you know, making the move out here, and and uh, I'm excited about. You know, I am too. Every time I hear about a new person who's moving out here with their wife and their and a family, family, yes, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's and, and this is a great place to raise a family, by the way. And we'll another right generation back. of liberty too. Yes, Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. We'll be back in a moment.
Welcome back to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, the show where you call in and take control. The number is 603-435-1105. That's the Sunday night edition number. Be aware of your phone plan so that you don't incur excessive phone charges. And tonight with you is Wayne. And Michelle. And we're here waiting for your calls. But we've got a lot to talk about, Michelle, because in the last month since we were on last together, a lot has happened, including the big blow up in Minnesota with the unions. And Kyle called earlier about that. We talked about that a little bit. We also discussed what what concrete things we could do to move toward a voluntary society. And, of course, there are those in the liberty movement who are minarchists, and there are some who are anarchists. Anarchy is not a bad word. It just means no state. It doesn't necessarily mean chaos. No government. And so we, we do promote government. We promote self-government, personal responsibility. That's right. That's right. In fact, government starts in the family. If you have a family and you have kids, that, that's where government's supposed to start, mm-hmm. not at, at the state level or the federal level. And this whole thing about licenses, because our previous caller, Kyle, from California, was a little uh, miffed about being an auto mechanic and needing licenses to do what he does for his work and pay the state their fee, their their tribute, and then they give you a piece of paper and that now you're okay, now you can work, which is a little bit silly. Uh, for example, people get married and they go and get a marriage license from the state. Permission? Why do you need permission from the state to be married? And, you know, I wonder if people really realize that that came from uh, slavery slavery, and, and uh, colored right. getting, needing permission to marry non-colored. Right. White slave owners would, would have to get a license to marry one of their slaves or a non-white woman because mm-hmm. Native American women, too, as well. They would need a, a license, if I recall correctly, which is silly. And, of course, what happens over time is that you they get you to start doing that, asking permission, then, and then everybody just does it as if, like lemmings, as if it, they're supposed to do it and never questions why. Why is this uh, legal? You know, yeah. Why is this re- really required? Is this really required? But, you know, to follow up with what you were saying earlier regarding the guns, um, the you say, you know, people are waking up. I think that people fundamentally are interested in the ideas and principles of liberty. Um, and, you know, as I as I mentioned to you, I was traveling this weekend. I left Thursday for San Antonio and, and then I got back seconds after the show started. Um, and uh, I had uh, four people, five people, six people, six people that I spoke to in at great length. One, you know, throughout the entire weekend who I was um, I was his guest and um and then so I spoke to uh, five men and one woman over the course. The woman, very interesting. Uh, she's from Sweden initially, but lives here in the states. Incredibly successful commodities uh, trader and things. And and so she's all about not having to pay taxes. But well, Sweden has very high taxes, right? And so well, I mean, she's living here now. But mm. you know, she she so she says that she votes Republican. I said, well. <laughs> You're, that that is not going to solve the problem. And so I had a very different conversation with her. Um, and it started um, because I opted out when, of the scanner. And so I got to get felt up. How was it? Uh, thorough. Yeah? They buy you a drink first? Oh, my gosh. I told them I was a lesbian. I wanted a man. <laughs> but I thought that was fair. Yeah. Because, you know, they, they assign women to women. I'm like, well, you know, I'm lesbian. <laughs> And this was in Boston. And How did they had, respond to that? The head of TSA, there were like five TSA agents there. And um, the head of TSA said, um, are you going to give us a problem? I said, I'm actually just trying to help you do your job. You assign women to women. And since I'm a lesbian, wouldn't it be more appropriate if you assign a man? And I was looking rather fetching. 
<laughs> and um, these three men looked very excited, and they said, <laughs> "Yeah," <laughs> and uh, said, "So, so d- d- should." Uh, and they're stuttering. <laughs> so should a man, you know, do this? And he didn't quite know what to say. And he said, do you need some privacy? I said, well, I'm actually also a porn star. So I am all about, and mind you people, I'm neither a lesbian nor a porn star. But anyway. You messed with them good. Yes, I did. And so then it um, it led into a more humorous, you know, uh, you know, debate and one man working there is from New Hampshire, and he came over, completely removed from the other side. He wanted to see what the commotion was, came over, listened, and he said, hey, are you a free stater? I said, you bet I am. And he said, and he pointed, he said to the, the people he was with, he's like, no, 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 you should listen to her. These people really know what they're talking about. <laughs> wow. Which was, I mean, that was great. And, and this so- was a TA, TSA agent? Yes. From, yes. from New Hampshire. From wow. New Hampshire. I didn't, I needed to go catch my flight, so I would have liked to have asked him, well, what are you doing doing this? But in any event, um, that was that was an interesting you know, experience. But, I mean, they put gloves on, and the woman took the back of her hand and shoved it up into my crotch. Mm-hmm. Penetration. Like, pushed up yeah. into my... Gee, are you kidding me? And I was, as she's doing this, I said, you know, normally I'd be moaning. However, I'm really not attracted to her. She was like 55 years old. The poor woman looked mortified. And I said, but do you realize that if anyone else were ever to do this to me and it was an unwelcomed advance, it would be considered molestation and it's a crime? And he said, yes, but we're here to protect you. I said, can I opt out of that protection? How about if I protect myself? And he said, well, we work with the airlines. I said, no, you do not. If the airlines had the right to hire their own security, I'd be all for that because it'd be a private industry. But the government, you know, the government subsidizes with taxpayers, the airlines in the first place. And they would have to abide by anti-molestation or rape laws, too. Absolutely. And so he said, um, he said to me that, you know, he's working with the airlines. I said, well, what if the airlines don't want your help? And he said, well, no, that's that's not okay." I said, well, so then it's this is a a situation of force and coercion. and, And I don't approve of that. So I, you know, walked off and going from that situation to getting onto the plane, I ended up speaking to this woman and, um, uh, but not until after I was asked to get off the plane, I was asked by, um, the, uh, there were two flight attendants, one from first class and one from, that was a lead, uh, attendant from the back that were fighting. And this was before we'd even taken off and they were really rude and they were barking at each other. And I was, I said, Hey, 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 you know, let's just enjoy our flight. And, and they let's both looked at me, along. a third flight attendant, a male has told me, he said, shut up and sit down. I was like, wow, this was on, this is on continental, by the way, do not fly continental airlines. It was my first, it was my last. So anyway, so that was kind of the lead in to, you know, this and, and this woman next to me is coughing uh, during this. And, and I, she obviously was choking. And they were so busy fighting amongst themselves that they didn't even notice. And I said, do you need some water? And she's nodding. So the, the agent who told me to sh- you know, shut up and sit down um, was walking by. I said, excuse me. I said, um, this woman really could use some water. And he looked at her and he said, do you need some water? And she's nodding. Goes and gets her some water. The, um, the uh, uh, first class... A uh, flight attendant then came back and said to me, um, would you please come with me? I, I need you to step off the plane for a moment. And I did. 
And I said, should I bring my things? And she said, no, just come with me. And, she came, and we went out, off, got off the plane. And she says, my name's Marty, which I don't know if that's M-A-T-T-I-E or M-A-R-T-Y because you don't really know the R thing here. Ah, and, yeah. Marty. and she said, is there a problem? And I said, um, no. And she said, well, you seem to be really interested in the other passengers. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, you changed seats with one. I said, oh, well, that was so she could sit with her husband and her daughter. You know, I'm flying alone. And she said, "Uh uh-huh. And um, I said, but we're still on the same row. And she said, and then you asked for some water for the other? And I said, yes, she was choking. And she said, what you need to do is mind your own business. She said, you're not here for the other passengers. Leave them alone. Just sit in your seat. And, you know, we can just have a nice, peaceful flight. And I said, Okay, fine. I don't know if you want to tell a redheaded anarchist that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was trying to be helpful. I know you were. I could, I could tell. I, I'd probably do the same thing, Michelle. Right. So I sit down, and then it, the discussion ensued with the Swedish woman who I changed places with, and I had that experience behind me to lead into a conversation about liberty. Mm-hmm. And her husband was there also. He's uh, he, he has a law degree, although he doesn't practice anymore. And he's a trader. She does commodities, and and um, and you know, I I want to tell you how they're interested in sacrificing security, I mean liberty, so they can have the uh, the sense that they're more secure, which they're not. Unbelievable. Well, we'll be back. We'll talk more about liberty versus security, and whatever you may bring up in your calling. 603-435-1105. Give us a call. Free Talk Live, Sunday edition. Welcome back to Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. Give us a call if you get a chance. 603-435-1105. We'd love to hear from you. With you tonight is Wayne. And Michelle. And we were talking earlier in the previous segment about Michelle's experiences at the airport going back and forth to Texas on her trip that she just arrived back from today Mm -hmm. and got back here in the studio by the skin of her teeth. (laughs) (laughs) She's been rushing and pushing and talking with people and promoting liberty wherever she goes. So, Michelle... You had spoken to the TSA people a little bit about it. You planted some seeds there. Right. And that was that was interesting. And then, the, as I mentioned, the woman from Sweden who um, has every reason to guard her, uh, her, you know, the fruit of her labor, as she should, because it's her property. And, um, and she's, she's, she usually votes Republican because that's the... the uh, party Lower taxes. That, that's what, that's the rhetoric that they espouse, but in reality, they're just Correct. as bad as the other ones. Right. They're just a little more dishonest. I think the Democrats are a little more honest that they want to take your money. <laughs> yes, I guess so. You know, um, we didn't end up continuing on with that because I really wanted to get to the fact that um, that uh, the TSA, you know, since I just had that situation. And so she basically told me that she flies, you know, a couple times a week all over the world and she gladly will give up her her liberties for security because she's not she's not a criminal and she has nothing to hide. And when I mentioned that through the USA Patriot Act, the government can come into your home for four months and and film you and um, and do your audio without ever even telling you sneak and peek. Yes. She said, I have nothing to hide. Ew. Ew. That's icky. 
Well, th- that's exactly the kind of the sheeple mentality that's been drilled in people in the media since since nine eleven, especially. But you know, uh, this is not about defending the rights of terrorists. This is about defending the rights of people accused of being a terrorist, and and that's what people don't understand. That, that yeah, maybe you don't have anything to hide, but your privacy is your right. You own your body. You own your property. No one has the right to infringe upon that or regress against that. Well, and the Patriot Act. Um habeas corpus is goes out the window and so if you are um, even suspected you can be taken to guantanamo you can be taken without any formal charges without a warrant etc and you are essentially guilty until, until proven until innocent. you prove your innocence and that is completely contradictory to you know the constitution that supposedly all those agents and officers and military personnel that are arresting you have sworn to uphold that's right so they're not even playing by their own rules yeah and that's that's a big problem well, we had a call, and uh, now it's stopped blinking, but we'll try again. Hopefully somebody will come in. You know, Michelle, th- that really is what, what uh, that really has aggravated me over the last nine years or so, is, is that, you know, the media has, has, has basically been putting out this rhetoric at, all, at times that, uh, that you can trade liberty for security. That, like that, so, in other words, uh, this becomes East Germany. Well, what is there left to defend? What is worthwhile to defend if, if this country becomes like, like the Soviet Union or Nazi Germany or East Germany or whatever? There's nothing. It's not even worth defending at that point. Well, and I think that it's, you know, we say like Nazi Germany, like Soviet Russia. It's already like that. It's getting there. It's not quite, it's not as overt. It's, it's more covert. But, Which I think is, you know, even a bit more heinous. But, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ian and Mark and I were talking about um, no, and it might have even been you, TASS and the uh, perestroika or perestroika, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, the uh, the Soviet media media, yeah. which at least over there, people knew it was baloney. Yeah. Yeah. There were fewer of them. You had one party, which was the Communist Party. And then you had TASS and you had what was the other one? Uh, there was another one. I um, can't remember the name of it, but. The people of Russia smartened up quickly and knew, and so they kind of laughed when when the media would say something. They probably just believed just the opposite if they were uh, really on track. Which the contrarian view in, mo- in much of those cases would be the safe one to take. However, people, most people are convinced that the media, whether it's newsprint or uh, radio or um, television, is factual uh, and, and unbiased news reporting. People actually think that the Colbert Report is... Is news? News. <laughs> he's he's so brilliant. But he's brilliant. It's, it's parody. I mean, yes. he's he's a comedian. But that well, that's where we, where we get down to infotainment. Mm-hmm. And and actually, last month we were talking about some of the uh, corporate media brainwashing techniques and and ways that they influence people. And it's just fascinating to really study those. Uh, I think it's EarthBlogNews.com has that that article that we had read last month about all the different techniques they use to convince people. Uh, that they're telling the truth, and uh, it's very, very sly and clever the way they do certain things. But getting back to um, uh, liberty and and what we were talking about before the break is that um, you know people who work for the TSA, for example, or Homeland Security or the FBI or whatever, you know, there's a lot of good people in those agencies, and there's a lot of good people there who really do believe in a lot of these things on the surface, but they really haven't thought them through all the way. They haven't thought through the non-aggression principle all the this way is through. Good people who do bad things. Well, you know, sometimes people just take a job that's a good job, you know, because they're not thinking really about. Again, they're not thinking it through all the way. 
Mm-hmm. They're not thinking that their paycheck is being paid for by um, coercion and by theft. Yeah. And, and there are people who, when they realize that, they leave those jobs. Like this fellow who called earlier from California. Who Kyle. Worked, yeah, yes. Kyle, who worked for uh, the city, I guess, as a mechanic. And then he realized that, he was, that his job was funded by theft and, and decided to leave. And I guess he left at the right time and got his own business going because then, of course, that town con- uh, collapsed economically and had to lay a lot of people off. And that's very unfortunate. But we're going to see a lot more of that this, this year. And about a month ago, Meredith Whitney, who is a very popular financial analyst. She was with Oppenheimer for many years, and she's, uh, uh, she's called a lot of the things that have happened in the last 10 years. She said a few weeks ago that um, she sees quite a few cities and towns going bankrupt. The municipal bond market is, is a bubble. It's very fragile, and, and she feels that a lot of the, a lot of the cities and, and towns are going to default, mm-hmm. possibly even states, too. And she actually got called on the carpet by Congress. They, they asked her to testify before them because they were they were, I think, a little upset that she was letting the cat out of the bag, maybe. Uh, uh, but, you know, I'm sure she had a few... Don't speak the truth! Well, but that's that's the most sincere form of patriotism, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. That's why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. But So tell me, Michelle, um, so you were saying you got you, you spoke with the Swedish lady, so what was the next uh, encounter was, you had? It was my, uh, my friend from college who I hadn't seen for 20 years and is just really dear and... Um, and uh, a really good friend, and um, he has a uh, a liberty minded. You know, he's very liberty minded. I would say, although he's just he's not passionate about it the way I am. Because as he said to me, he's like, I just really haven't thought about these things. You know, thought these things through. And so many haven't. Yeah, and that's... so he tries to, you know, not pay taxes by writing things off. But as I pointed out to him, I said, well, they. You know, they try to make you into a criminal because you end up, you know, maybe taking maybe taking me out to dinner, writing that off as a business dinner. You know, now, sure enough, I have, you know, a wealth of of information. And as far as suggestions, I am a woman after all. Um, And so I suppose he could write that off. But they make you into a liar in order to protect your own property. Yeah. It's it's very true. It's a good point, Michelle. We'll be back. We'll talk more about this on Free Talk Live. Give us a call. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is the Sunday Night Edition of Free Talk Live. Give us a call, 603-435-1105. This is the show where you call in and you take control. Call about anything you like. And this evening, it's Wayne with you. And Michelle. Yes, Wayne and Michelle. First Sunday of the month and every month. And we've been having a discussion about talking about talking liberty with people and starting to wake people up and let them think these things through because, you know, you'll hear somebody say, well, I'm willing to exchange liberty for security but then in the next breath they're saying well this is a free country well if you're exchanging liberty for freedom mm-hmm. it's not a free country anymore absolutely it's a police state and that's what we're allowing it to become because we're not thinking these things through we're not real we're not thinking about the fact that we are responsible for protecting ourselves we're responsible for our own security and 
if the government does it, it's just another government service where they waste a lot of money and they don't do a good job. And every time they fail at something, they want more and more money and more power as if that's going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Look at the educational system. Every time there's a problem in education, we need more money. We don't have enough money. We need more money to fix the education system <laughs> right. and the bad test scores and the fact that, that uh, students in other countries are doing better than our students now. And that just doesn't work. So, Michelle, you were talking about some of your friends that you talked, that you went and saw on this trip. And yeah. I, I, I'm a little surprised and not surprised that a lot of the people you talk to actually are liberty oriented and don't even realize it in some cases because they've been apathetic and they haven't been paying attention. Would well, you say that's right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that anyone that I spoke to was apathetic. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm kind of giving you the, um, you know, starting at one level and, and working, you know, toward, mm-hmm. toward the pinnacle of, of conversations where, you know, um, all of the people that I spoke to are liberty minded. Um, some just are, you know, have some, are have been miscued mm-hmm. maybe or they're fearful and you know like we said with the caller i believe kyle people are more afraid of the word anarchy than they are state mm-hmm. and anarchy has been equated with violence and you chaos know, a lot of people like to use in this community like to use the word voluntarism as opposed to anarchism because it has a nicer connotation maybe i prefer to use the word anarchism simply because that voluntarism isn't a um isn't a recognized uh political or philosophical um choice and you know maybe we're starting a new one but i don't think there's anything new about anarchy i you know every i announced everyone i'm a christian and i am a christian because i have faith in in jesus christ that he's god and i believe in him and worship him and um i happen to believe that whether you uh, you know, think he was God or not. He certainly was an anarchist and rejected government. And, um, and in some ways, you know, I mean, he submitted unto the point of death, much in the same way that, you know, we go ahead and allow ourselves to be arrested, um, but don't condone it, don't agree with it, don't say that it's right or anything. And, and so, no, I don't think there's anything new about Anarchy, and I also think that there have been um, periods where it's shown itself to be successful. And and um, right now, you know, people will argue that that what can come out of anarchy is um, is a basically a military, you know, takeover or something like that, whether from inside or from another country. And so, what I say to them is, okay, well, you know what? Let's just work toward that direction. We're so far removed from it that really to say, you know, we're not going to go from here to there overnight. So so let's at least work toward going into that direction. I've often heard it said that this right-left paradigm, if you think about it, the extreme right, the extreme left are really the same thing. And the real political spectrum is totalitarianism or total government, whether it's fascism, communism, and anarchy on the other end, and that, and that some believe, the founding fathers believe, that we should be about three-quarters of the way or so to anarchy. Mm. And so that would be minarchy. Mm-hmm. Whether you agree with minarchy or not, that still works much better than what we have today right. because it's gone more towards totalitarianism. And, and you know, for some people, I think the analogy of comparing anarchy to making love as opposed to the state is rape. Um, yeah. is, is, I, I hear people chuckle when I say that, but then they get it. Yeah, no, I would agree. 
I would agree. Because that's what it's really about. It's, it's about the fact that voluntary relationships are, are very powerful. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you have to work at the, the relationship to make it work. It's not, no one's forcing you to have a relationship, business relationship with somebody, for example. Right. No, if some, no one's forcing you to pay your money to your church, for example. Then, then your church is, is um, uh, you know, it's, it's a voluntary relationship. And, and if your church becomes corrupt or wasteful, you can go somewhere else. You go to a different church. Absolutely. And, and But that's who used to help the poor, you know. Right. Anyway, we have a call. Let's, let's take the call unscreened. Hello. You're on Free Talk Live. Who's this? Hi, this is Matt from Illinois. Yes. Hey, Hi, Max. Is it Max or Matt? Matt. Matt. Okay, Matt. Matt with, with, with two T's, Matthew. What can we uh, um, talk with you about tonight? Well, I'm going to change directions here a little bit. Uh, Michelle, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, I think on Monday night's show, that you hadn't had a date in a while. (laughs) I had a lunch date today with a total stranger that I met on a plane. That was pretty fun. (laughs) She's working it. So I I have. Huh? I'm sorry. So, so now, so now I have. You know, it, it only okay. took a week, but um, yeah. Well, uh, I thought maybe you were going to count that uh, TSA agent as a date. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It could be. I guess <laughs> she didn't even buy me. She didn't even buy me dinner, though. You know. Well, that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you remember me or not. <laughs> we met at Pork Fest last year. Awesome. Would Briefly. you please would you please remind me simply because I don't know if you were paying much attention, but I was all over the place. Yeah, I, I know. Um, actually, your daughter gave me a singing lesson. <gasps> oh, hey, right on! Uh, I absolutely know exactly who you are. Aziza gave you a voice. Yes, yes. Aziza gave me a, a voice lesson. And, right on. Um, yeah, because I, I don't sing very well. And um, was it a good uh, lesson? Oh, yes, it was. Yes, it was. I I believe I explained the lesson to you one day down by that fire uh, by the big tent. Well, when I say uh, was it a good lesson, did you improve your vocal vocal stylings? It certainly makes me think more more about um, how I will approach any kind of um, karaoke I might do in the future. Oh, right on. Do you have a song for us? Oh God, no! <laughs> Aziza said that that I should uh, consider the spoken word. <laughs> oh boy, there's nothing wrong with spoken word in music. Well, no, uh, but I think that you know also what what she might have also been um, alluding to is that when learning new songs and things, oftentimes she will uh, not sing them, but rather speak the words to the music, and first. then. Uh-huh. Exactly, and then if you you know, and then evolve from there. Well, it's what what I have a tendency to do is, um, and and I admit that this is true, is I pick songs that are uh, outside my vocal range, songs that mm. are sung by people that that uh, usually have a higher pitched voice than mine, uh, rather than uh, trying to sing more as a, as a bass tone. Mm. And that might have to do with when when I was in grade school and I I sang choir. I was, uh, I I was a uh, a tenor. A tenor. And mm-hmm. yeah, and then I I I matured sexually mm-hmm. and my voice got much lower. Yes. You know, I uh, bet you would. I bet you would sing Barry Manilow really well. Uh, Johnny Cash is. More my style. Uh, yeah, he, he may be more your style, but his voice a little lower, a little, you know. But um, hey, don't go knocking uh, uh, 
Barry Manilow, do you realize? <laughs> do you realize all the jingles he wrote? I am stuck on band-aids and band-aids stuck on me. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And so all these jingles from when we were a kid, uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener and everything, those were all written by Barry Manilow. Wow. You mean when I walk oh, through the grocery store? Yeah, yeah. You ever is. walk through the grocery store and you just start hearing all the jingles and you have to just run out of the store because it's like having voices <laughs> in your head? They're great. Hey. Lucky charms. No, I, I, Purple hearts. Hey, Matt, do you want to stick around for the next segment? Because uh, we kind of, uh, you know, robbed, robbed you of any points that you might want to make on this one. Sure, sure. Awesome. All right, we'll hold you over. Bye, Matt. Okay, okay bye. Come on back. We'll be right back. We talk live, Sunny Edition. Welcome back. We're here with the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. 603-435-1105. Let us know what's on your mind. Uh, tonight with you is Wayne. And Michelle. And we were just talking to Matt from, was it Illinois? And he's on, so let's bring him back on. And we can talk about what he wants to bring up because we got off the subject, Michelle. <laughs> Whatever. Are you still there, Matt? Yes, I am. Yes, Matt, are you going to let him abuse me like that? Because you did bring up the fact that we'd met in the singing lesson and what have you. And... Yeah, I, well, I'm not there, so I can't really do a whole lot about it. I'm, I'm 1,800 miles away. Give him a verbal but... whipping with that, with your spoken word there. That's right. 18 hours away. <laughs> um, I, I would like to say, though, Michelle, that, that um, when, I, when I was there, uh, I noticed you were with uh, Sovereign Curtis. Oh, so, let's uh, not talk about that. <laughs> that's a swear word. <laughs> yeah, that was. Well, a... uh, yeah. That's yeah. kind of like why I, I I stayed away from you and didn't didn't approach you while I was at the. Um, oh, that's while very I was at the Liberty Forum. I I don't want to cause any waves, you know, especially within the the, the community and. Um, I just think that it's a shame that the, the single men. I hear there's so many single guys out there, and I hear that they're complaining about not there not being any women, and and they're not being able to find any women of liberty mindset. I'm kind of old for these guys, though. Most of the ones around here, they're like in their twenties and early thirties, and you know, I'm. I'm Is that what it is? She's a little older, but she doesn't look it. <laughs> Well, thanks, Matt. So, okay, so let's get away from Michelle's dating and lack of and what have you. And um, why don't you, so are you going to come out for Porkfest this year? I'm going to try. I uh, I left a message with um, the campground, um, what is it, Rogers, Rogers Campground? Rogers, Gar- uh, Rogers Gardens, Rogers Campground, Rogers yes. Campground, to try to, uh, to um, get a uh, site and they haven't called me back yet. So I'm, if they don't call me back tomorrow, I'm going to call them back again and probably leave another message. Uh, well, you know, actually, this- so let me just tell you that they, um, you know, they're closed during the winter. And so give them a couple of weeks to get back to you if you're not going to uh, do something. But you could also do something online. They have it all set up there. So you can um, go ahead and, and uh, reserve a spot online. Oh, oh, I'll try that. I didn't see that. I didn't see anything like that at their, on their website. Um, I, I need to get a, a site that's a that uh, has uh, electricity because I, I need I need to sleep with a uh, it's called a CPAP machine so that uh, so I don't keep the whole yeah 
say I don't keep the whole campground awake. Oh, right on. That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, maybe you can find a battery-powered one and just put a solar uh, panel on it during oh, the no, day. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't have that kind of money. I'm actually unemployed, but I'm looking to open my, uh, my own business uh, next week. Excellent. Oh, good for you. What type what of business? Uh, I fix um, um, the, the, the dollar bill acceptors and the uh, coin changers on vending machines. And uh, I've been in that industry for uh, over 20 years, and um, I, I had quite a reputation uh, amongst the vendors. And I've been out of work for over two years, and one of, the, um, former, one of my former customers approached me and has offered to, to finance uh, opening my own business. Oh, right on. I'm really happy for you, Matt. That's cool. Yeah, that's you know, goes to show what a, a good reputation can do to you. I mean, it well, do for do you. For you. <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, it it took a while, but you know, somebody finally, uh, somebody finally came through. So Matt, tell me, what about your home state is making you just uh, what's intolerable to you that would make you want to move to New Hampshire with the Free State Project? I live in Illinois. You tell me what's not intolerable about <laughs> Illinois. Well, well yeah. I mean, good point, you know, but what's the, what, what really stands out for you the most? Uh, think about Chicago and the corruption. Think about the, uh, the Governor Blagojevich, who just got uh, uh, busted for all his corruption. Uh, the, the whole state is very corrupt. And right now, even in the state, there, there, there's actually quite a freedom movement going on out here, uh, if you know where to look for it. And it, it went so the the state has gone so far as to make it illegal and arrest people, and they're actually putting them on trial for uh, for filming police doing their job. And uh, these people are, are that 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 did this, that got arrested for it, are, are looking at up to ten years in prison. Wow! For for filming the police, right? And that's how far this this state has gone to being a police state. Well, and, and we've got Pete and Adam out here um, from uh, Liberty on Tour, and I don't know if you stay abreast of you know what's going on with them, but they were doing some filming and and um, and have some issues down uh, with Green in Greenfield, Massachusetts, where um, they are going to be having another court appearance, I believe, in June, and um, and you know pushing back. Uh, pushing back against the government and everything. But um, I hear you with what you're saying and, and definitely being around other liberty-minded people who have the same values and priorities as you, it's much easier to, um, to, to push back against the government when you have a support system like there is here. And you also have a long tradition in the state of freedom. Uh, this is the free state for a reason. There's a reason why it says live free or die on license plates. Which is right. so ironic and, that you have to ask the state to give you a, a license plate, but then... Well, that's true, but I mean, you see it everywhere. I remember when I was a kid and I grew up in Connecticut and I would see a, a license plate from New Hampshire and I thought, what does that mean? You know, live right. free or die. Right. I don't want to die. <laughs> Connecticut's pretty corrupt, too, from what I understand. Oh, yes. Uh, they're a Massachusetts mess. is pretty socialist. And then you add that, though, with the, the, the huge tax increase, the, the income tax in the state of Illinois, went up um, uh, 66%, I think, this Ooh. year. And, it's not know, even I'm, enough I'm be, Right. I'm going to be trying to start my own business, and you know, I'm worried about how I'm going to go about 
paying my taxes and stuff because I I can't really afford to uh, to, to protest taxes in this state. I'm going to kind of have to knuckle under. There's just no way I can uh, I can protest it and get away, especially if, if I have a business partner who's fronting the money to me. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, uh, I'm really excited for you. And, you know, that means, though, that, um, you know, Aziza is not going to be at Pork Fest. So if you do make it, then uh, then you're going to have to get a voice lesson from someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but um, um, I, I, I'm not go I'm not going this year. But um, but I tell you that if I was going, I would be teaching pole dancing again. That was a that was a great lesson too. I watched that. <laughs> oh, you did. You weren't. Uh, you weren't going to get up there. I, and try. I actually did a little pole, pole dance. I took off my shirt and everything. I, I started the strip tease. Wow, I missed that. I kept my clothes on. <laughs> you ought to be glad. I think that about three people were blinded after that. And they, they ran away screaming. Are you really white? Is that what <laughs> No, no. I got a little, little bit of a. I look like a pregnant male. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> That's all right. You're a nice person, I can tell. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks for calling. And, um, you know, keep us... Why don't you call back after, you know, you get this business going and let us know how it's, you know, how it's doing and everything. So I sure will. I call all the time, so... Awesome. I'm sure you'll be hearing from me again. Okay, well, um, it was it was great hearing from you tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Yes. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks again, Matt. All right. Well, that's a nice guy, you know. Very nice. Yeah, and he and remembered I actually, you. Well, I, you know, if, how could you forget Michelle? Well, yes and no. I mean, do you remember all the costumes I was wearing at Porkfest? And and then it was the funniest thing. I um, I was. Do you remember down the uh, the uh, picnic area, picnic pavilion down below? I was in, uh, in one of the restroom stalls, and I heard these two girls go, oh, "I bet she's in here." And I'm thinking. What are they, you know, no, I knew no one was in there besides me. And I, you know, came out and they're like, oh, my gosh, it is you and you are here. I said, oh, my, and they had in their hands handfuls of my feathers from my boa. <laughs> <laughs> so they had collected them and this, you know, traveled along this little trail. Were they group, were they Michelle seven groupies? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. But um, even after I stayed over until Monday and, you know, I had. Uh, I'd been staying in the cabin. I'd had all, you know, events and things. So I had all that stuff to pack up. And as we went around the uh, campsite and the, uh, just picking or the whole campgrounds, you know, picking up things, returning things to buzz and, you know, here and there and everything, those red feathers were everywhere. (laughs) Did you leave a trail of them going into the restroom? (laughs) Uh, Yes. That's how they had found me. And so, I mean, you know, Big red hair, red costumes, loud personality. I was hard you're, to you're like the Elton John of the Liberty <laughs> Movement. <laughs> but I'm straight. And you're straight and you're female. Yeah, that's right. And you don't wear big glasses. <laughs> no. But I, I, you know, I had bottles of wine in each hand and I, I was a mess. I was wow. a hot mess. Yes, you were. Well, anyway, this is the Sunday Night Edition of Free Talk Live. You're listening to and we'll be right back. Give us a call, 603-435-1105. Welcome back. This is the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where we take your calls and we have fun talking about liberty with people from all over the country, sometimes all over the world. 
The number to reach us is 603-435-1105. And with you tonight is Wayne and Michelle. Michelle had to step out for a second, but she'll be right back. And I wanted to start this new story in the final hour here uh, from the Seattle Times, or regarding the Seattle Times, about uh, pot legalization. Because I thought this was really interesting, because a lot of times people say, well, the government doesn't control the media, or they they don't have any influence over the media, the media is independent. Well, several weeks ago, President Obama stated that he believed the subject of drug legalization and regulation was entirely a legitimate topic for debate. Yet recent actions by the White House Office of Natural uh, National Drug Control Policy, uh, in fact, the head of it, Gil Karakalowski, uh, imply that his administration has no interest in having this debate in the public arena, arena, at least not in Seattle. On Friday, February 18th, the Seattle Times editorial board opined in favor of House Bill 1550, which legalizes and regulates the production, distribution, and sale of marijuana to adults in that state. The editorial entitled, quote, the Washington legislature should legalize marijuana, unquote, did not mince words. Marijuana should be legalized, regulated, and taxed. The push to repeal federal prohibition should come from the states, and it should begin with the state of Washington. Some drugs have such horrible effects on the human body that the costs of, costs of prohibition may be worth it, not marijuana. This state's experience with medical marijuana and Seattle's tolerance policy suggest that with cannabis, legalization will work, and surprisingly well. Not only will it work, but it is coming. So imagine your local newspaper with pretty high esteem saying that. According to the Seattle Times, editorial page editor Ryan Blethen, the public's reaction to the paper's pot-friendly position was overwhelming. Quote, it was rare we published an editorial on a hot topic and received near universal praise. So, but that, that is what happened last week when we came out in support of Washington state legalization of cannabis. Bethan wrote in February 25th commentary. When people take the time to email or call me about an editorial, it is usually because they do not agree with the editorial page. This editorial was different. The compliments rolled in. The discussion in the comments section of the editorial was nearing 600 and is interesting and thoughtful, which is not always the case. And so far, the editorial has been recommended by about 3,000 people on Facebook. Yet, there was one prominent former Seattle resident who was clearly not amused by the Times' call for a sober discussion about marijuana. That person is the drug czar, Gil Kurlikowski. So, Michelle, who's back now... Why do you keep like outing me, dude? I mean, stop! I had to go potty. No, I know, but you know when sometimes when we we in, introduce uh, the show for the for the hour, you know we uh, we try to. Uh, but you don't have to. Oh yeah, you're right, Desi. Come on. <laughs> I, you know? I'm sorry, Lucy. <laughs> I'm going to start crying, yeah. and I'm going to eat a bunch of chocolates. <laughs> I know, but it's more entertaining when there's when there's some some you when know you stuff me? going on. Oh, dude, you really don't want to go there. I will I, just did, crush I, you. I didn't out you in, in the bathroom or anything. <laughs> Great. I should have put the webcam up in the bathroom. Huh? Right. Yeah. Did you? Could you hear me yelling? Oh my gosh! I need some toilet paper. <laughs> But anyway, I thought we'd open up the final hour with a story about uh, the marijuana story up in Washington State because I, I find it interesting that, you know, uh, a media outlet like this, which is fairly mainstream for that area, 
comes out in favor of or with an article in favor of marijuana legalization and gets a lot of positive response. And then, of course, this one troll from the federal government um, decides that he's going to uh, make some trouble. So uh, anyway, the the guy uh, in the, uh, let's see, drug czar, Gil Kurlikowski, didn't like this article too much, Michelle. Well. Because, of course, he's a drug warrior. Right. So then there's another follow-up story. And uh, entitled, White House Requests Meeting with Seattle Times to Bully Against Pro-Pot Editorials. <laughs> Interesting. And oh I guess the, uh, the Stranger is the name of this publication. The Stranger has learned that immediately after the Seattle Times ran an, art, an editorial last week supporting a bill to tax and regulate marijuana, the newspaper got a phone call from Washington, D.C. The White House Office of National Drug Control Policy Director Gil Kurlikowski wanted to fly to Seattle to speak personally with the, the paper's full editorial board. Wow. The meeting is, is scheduled for next Friday in an attempt, an apparent attempt by the federal government to pressure the state's largest newspaper to oppose marijuana legalization, or at least turn down the volume on its newfound bullhorn to legalize pot. Bruce Ramsey, the, the Seattle Times editorial writer who wrote the article, says... The Washington, the White House called right after our editorial ran, so I drew the obvious conclusion. He didn't like our editorial. Hmm. This isn't the first time the Obama administration has campaigned to keep pot illegal. Kurlikowski, who is also Seattle's former police chief, also traveled to California last fall to campaign against Prop 19, a measure to decriminalize marijuana and authorize jurisdictions to tax and regulate it. So, Michelle. Well, isn't that interesting that that the generation of people who are in office right now were, you know, they were smoking the dope back in the day. And um, and, you know, this is where we have, you know, they're the acid generation and everything. And it's like, well, that was fun for me, but it's not okay for you. And uh, and I just I cannot imagine what goes through people's minds and, and how they can reach the conclusion that it's okay to legislate what people can do with their own bodies. I just, I just have a hard time getting past that really ever. That's interesting too, because, you know, if you look at the pre- the president Obama is more our generation. In fact, he's younger than me. That's when I'm you know 43. you're getting the dude is not really my generation. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's, he's, he, he ran as a liberal, you know, and you think a lot of those people in that generation, the so-called ex hippies, you kind of get that stereotype going and they know what it's like to smoke pot. You know, we all do. I don't do it anymore. He said he inhaled. Yeah, he admitted it, unlike Clinton. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't do it anymore. I haven't done it in some time. But but I don't. I respect other people's right to do it. And if I felt like doing it once in a while, I, I, I suppose I could. But I'm at a point where I just want to set a good example for my kids. And, and I... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna smoke pot later, but I'm gonna eat a brownie. <laughs> 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 I'm very excited about that. Yeah. That's okay. That that's probably a better high anyway. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> You'll find out. You know, I do eat hemp seeds, though, in the health food store. Yes, I eat hemp seed oil. And hemp seed oil is very good, too, but hemp seeds, you can sprinkle them on salads. And, of course, it's industrial hemp. It's it's not. There's no THC in it. Oh. Oh, Did what? you happen to see... I'm sorry, we're kind of off oh. subject. No, I mean, we're talking about... Same is, subject, but, okay, Woody Harrelson did a... Um, did a, a, a commentated a video about industrial hemp. Have you seen that? Anybody I haven't knows? seen it, oh but, my God. but he's, he's been on that track for a long time. Yes, and the funny thing is, is, is um, I guess from from if the video of what the information they were saying is, is true and correct, is that if, if 
industrial hemp seeds were spread out and, you know, basically through the through the river valley of Tennessee, where I guess a lot of outdoor marijuana crops are grown. After one growing season or whatever, which I think is basically 16 weeks, four months or so, um, the potency of the sativa, the cannabis that is used for to consume, um, the potency would be cut in half. That basically through, uh, you know, four or five growing cycles, that that, that that uh, uh, it takes over. In other words, the industrial takes, hemp right, with with the right. low uh, or no THC takes over, and, uh, so that it makes the drug, uh, the smoking marijuana thing, um, impotent. Yes, correct. Yes. I mean, you still have hydroponic and stuff. Yeah, like that. yeah. You have to, <laughs> but you have to isolate them, I suppose. Yes. Not that I've done it before because I haven't, but. You know, I've known people who have. But, you know, outdoor crops as opposed to indoor growing and things like that. But the point is, is that if if the government was really so concerned about the drug wars and about people's health and about um, liberty, then they would be allowing for marijuana use and consumption um, because there it would take away the incentive for the wars it would uh, the drug wars it would allow people to but that makes too much sense michelle yeah i know i know we'll be right back and we'll talk a little bit more about marijuana legalization and hemp and all that good stuff free talk live we'll be back Welcome back to the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. Call us, give us a call, talk to us, 603-435-1105. With you this evening is Wayne. And Michelle, who's not in the bathroom. <laughs> not this time. <laughs> that means you're healthy. I don't have to go oh again goodness. in 15 Drink minutes. Drink a lot of water or whatever. Well, you tea, know. whatever. You know, you don't buy water and tea. You rent it, just like beer. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is just going to go downhill really fast. Yeah, we got to we got to we got to say it along. That's right. It's just a rhetorical thing, Michelle, but Well, it's I do true. have something. Okay, so I do have to tell you about an exciting find. And um, you know, if Luke is is listening, I just, you know, want to say that it was you know, really nice to meet him and um have the great conversation that we had on the flight from uh, uh Memphis to uh Boston or excuse me, yeah, to Boston. He um he's a student at um, Brandis uh, in uh, in Boston, which is a very nice school, uh, and is working on his master's program. But he what he was doing uh, in Memphis is uh, traveling back from a little touring he did with his uh, brother's band. Um, they're musicians, and it seems quite adept. His brother went to the Berkeley School of Music uh, there in Boston, and um, he said that they would come play at Pork Fest. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I hope they are listening. M7's going to score that one, and everyone's going to know that it was M7 that did it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, whatever. And um, <laughs> M7. Yeah. So um, so he and how we started talking. He it works in um, he's getting his uh, degree in, in a uh, area of psychology that's medical psychology, and he's doing a, a paper on um or his thesis, I guess, on um, the effects of of. Gosh, I'm kind of embarrassed. Basic, uh, not hobbies, but um, leisure activities, I think, on um, 
and how it relates to stress. And so, you know, he discusses cortisol levels and things like that, endorphins, things that you know about. And, um, and so we kind of went from there into, you know, can you, is it proper to use marijuana to decrease? And I kind of was feeling him out a little bit. Oh my gosh, he was on point with everything. And he's very bright, very bright man. And um, he was just on everything regarding liberty. And as I told him, I told, so I t- discussed with him the Free State Project and what I was doing here. And he's like, okay, that is, that's what I want. I'm completely on board with that. And I just, so I told him about Pork Fest and he's going to come up and visit. And um, of course he's at school. So he's going to be finishing his, you know, to, you know, his master's degree in Boston. But um, he was really thrilled to hear about the Free State Project and, and uh, everything that's going on here. And um, so I'm pretty excited. You know, uh, the Free State Project is a very exciting development here in New Hampshire. But, you know, I've also been hearing about other states uh, developing their little mini Liberty movements, but not close to what we have here. So this is a great place to work with other liberty activists and to um, hone your skills. And, and someday, if you do want to go back home, you know you've got you've got more behind you. But the nice thing here is you can do these things and and do them more freely, and you have support from others. It's not like you're alone or a member of a small group. You have a lot more. In fact, you've got state reps on your side here. Correct. And and that's the real appeal of of New Hampshire over other states. State reps like Seth Cohen, who will, you know, take your phone calls and take your messages and get back to you right away. And, and, you, and know. you know, the, the the thing I love about New Hampshire also is that we've got 400 state reps. So per, per capita, you know, you have a, a fewer, um, fewer people per state rep. Mm-hmm. So you can literally, your state rep most of the time is, is right down the street from you. Correct. And so it's actually, I think it's the second largest legislative body in the world. So having more reps is actually better because it's harder to buy them all off. Mm-hmm. And of course, they only get paid $100 a year. So they're not professional here politicians. Yes. Here in here. New Hampshire. And the senators a- get 200 a year. Yeah. There's 100 of those. We have state senators. It's the same. That is the same salary that they got um, from over 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which was probably a little more money back then. But still. The it, principle is the same. The principle is the same. They don't that, increase. Yeah. And I think that they actually like have to take some kind of salary. Or they whatever. they get expenses. They get their expenses reimbursed to get to and from the capital too. They don't meet as often as as they do in other states, which keeps them out of mischief as well. But um, you know, it is a very responsive body compared to a lot of places, and and they are a very fiscally conservative. Even a lot of the Democrats are more fiscally conservative than you'll see in other states. So I, I think it's very very promising to see what's going on in the state here with our legislature with whether you believe in in minarchy or not uh, these people are sincere about trying to get uh, government smaller here and and you know we do have a better financial situation in this state than than most others although it's not as good as it could be there there is a deficit in the state but it, it it can be closed without too much pain here well i think there were what 50 um libertarians who were uh, voted into office in November, 12 of whom are free staters. That's, that's awesome. That's it's incredible. Re- and and there's, uh, there's been a few laws that are going to be passed that they're saying that the governor may veto, but they have a majority so that they can override any veto that the governor wants to sign. So we're, we're in a good position in that way here. And, you know, I've also noticed that, you know, people, the police are a lot more professional here than they are. No one's perfect. But I, I go to a lot of other states in my travels, and I must say that, that I've had much, much better experiences with the police here than, than in other places. Did you hear about, did you watch the Academy Awards? No, I didn't. I did, and, and for those of you that are going to get on the chat and say how stupid that is, just zip it and don't even bother, because I love 
dancing, the pretty dresses and everything. So yes, I was uh, I was watching them. Well, um, were you distracted by them? By the dresses? Yes. <laughs> I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> no, well, the, well, sometimes the dresses mean they usually have a good-looking guy on their arm. Um. Oh well, let's see. And was, was there any envy involved there? No, there was. Oh well, gosh. I mean, I I think that I would love to have an occasion to wear a um, you know, a Valentino evening gown and have someone do my hair and makeup and dress me in Harry Winston diamonds for a night. I, I mean, if there was something that was mm. that warranted, sure. You, you know, look marvelous. marvelous. <laughs> That's right. So, um, afterwards, though, uh, uh, Jimmy Kimmel had a show, and Tom Hanks. Uh, was was on and he had just been at the awards and um, he's uh, so he he made the point of saying that he was very grateful that that they had stopped traffic so he could walk from the theater over to to the studio and um, and Jimmy's like I know the cops out there so Tom Hanks proceeds to, to talk about what it was like coming in and having the police with their um, machine guns they all had machine guns and they had to roll down their windows and their cars were all inspected. Yikes. Well, they're probably automatic rifles, right? Because I don't think someone like Tom Hanks knows what a machine gun is. It was probably, um, you know, an M16 or something, which isn't... He said machine gun, so I, since I wasn't there, I don't know. I just, you know, it's a machine, it's a gun, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so I don't, I don't know. Why would you think it would be that... Well, that's usually what they carry. You know, machine gun is usually a bigger, more bulky device that... that like a Gatling gun. Yeah. I mean, but I guess they're, uh, when they're automatic rifles like that, you, I, 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 I don't think that's a definition of, of a machine gun. Yeah. You okay. Know? Well, Tom Hanks should know better. He's been in enough four movies, right? Yeah, Saving but I don't Private think he's a gun Ryan. person. I think he's, you know, I think they just handed him the rifle a, and t- tell him how to use it a little bit, but I don't think he's in the guns. He's a, yeah, he's a Hollywood liberal. I, he's probably scared to death of him. He probably would throw it away as soon as the, <laughs> oh, soon as the director said cut. So Here, mean. take this. Yeah, Mr. Macho, I used to be a, a stuntman. <laughs> we'll be right back. Oh, we've got a call. caller for when we come back. Yes, we do. Hopefully, I'll have a call. 603-435-1105. Ring us up. Welcome back. This is Free Talk Live Sunday edition, where you call in and talk to us. And we have a call. We've got Justin from Tucson, Arizona. Hey, Justin, you're live on Free Talk Live. Hi, Wayne. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. We're fumbling along here with the board and uh, juggling sure. chainsaws. He just said, hi, Wayne. So <laughs> sounds typical. Yeah, you, you forgot sorry, Michelle, I dude. I didn't. I haven't even been listening. So, She's, Michelle, hi. How are you? Uh, hi, I'm great. You haven't been listening. I haven't been listening. I listen to the podcast. Oh, so you? So why are you listening live now? I'm actually not listening live. I've just been thinking about something today, and I thought I'd give you guys a call. Well, we appreciate you calling, and it's good to hear from you. You're in Tucson, Arizona, right? I am in the yes, Tucson, Arizona. Well, that's where all those fireworks happened last month. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, don't tell me about it. It's disgusting. Mm. It is. It is. So what, what do you want to talk about tonight? 
Well, in light of the recent uh, Supreme Court case uh, concerning Westboro Baptist Church, I've been kind of thinking about how these hate organizations, as vile as they are, actually are impacting liberty in a positive manner. How so? Well, when you look at their defense in the Supreme Court in cases such as protesting at funerals, they really are setting some precedent in court to help liberty activists do their protests in ways that other people don't agree with. Well, I mean, that's what freedom of speech is all about, especially political speech, is that if it's not, even though it's not popular, it should be protected. Uh, I think I find that the way they do things sometimes is very distasteful. But I also, on the other side of that, don't you also fear that maybe uh, something like this can be used as a pretext to pass a law that might restrict free speech further? Oh, I don't know how they could do that constitutionally, considering the Supreme Court just ruled that that would be unconstitutional. Correct. But they do things anyway. They do what they want. You know that. (laughs) No, absolutely. But I I think it bears a lot of resemblance to what's going on with the Free King movement Mm -hmm. and people not liking such the school sucks banners and things like that. Sure. Um, It's speech that people find offensive. But I think it's important that people do pay attention and do kind of follow what these guys are up to because while they do say some very disgusting things, um, what they are doing on the legal front is valuable to the liberty movement and is something I think we can all kind of take up uh, as an example. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you on that. And I think what I find distasteful about the way they do things is that, is that they, they kind of they cause disruptions at funerals. And whether you agree with those people at the funeral or not, I think you, you want to give them the respect to have their their ceremony and, and pay their respects without... Um, you know, even though they may find it offensive, I think that there's a time and a place for those types of things. So I think oh, it's more I, I about totally, taste than it is about the principle. I agree with the principle that they should be able to say what they want. Well, and, and I would argue that probably a majority of the disruptions that happen at those funerals are not at the hands of the Westboro Baptist Church, but the people going there to confront them. And if these people were actually ignored they wouldn't be around to do this for very much longer. Sure. So what type of protest do you have planned now? Oh, my goodness. I'm just working on trying to get out to the Pork Fest in June. And uh, so no no protests down here in Tucson planned anytime soon. So what, what is the, the uh, climate like now that in the aftermath of the shootings and all? I know that uh, didn't, the gun grabbers didn't, uh, weren't able to capitalize on that nationwide well, or, or in the state of, of, of uh, Arizona? Tell me about it. Sure. I, I think in Arizona, the, they have a Republican legislature and governor. Uh, they've been pretty, uh, we've had some pretty good, we've gone to a constitutional carry state with our firearms in this state. To, yeah, we talked yeah, about that earlier Wyoming. tonight. Yes, and if you'd yeah, been listening, you would have heard that earlier. <laughs> he's going to hear, he's going to listen to it, Michelle. That. Don't don't browbeat him now. Come on. <laughs> I, I, Believe it or not, I've listened to every episode since 2006. Okay, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't um, even done that. So. Yeah, I, I work well into the evenings, and so I, I listen to the show every night. But, um, yeah, so I think the climate here regarding guns is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, sheriff Dupnik, who is the sheriff in Tucson, has had a, quite a bit of feedback regarding his comments during 
the tragedy. And I think, as always happens, both parties are trying to use the terrible occurrence to capitalize and make political hay. Yes. They always do. Yeah. They always do. That's for sure. Well, you know, at this juncture, I'd like to uh, talk a little bit about what we voluntary anarchists in this community um, like to respond to people when they say, well, what what about when people are killed? What about when they're raped? What about when, you know, um, they're robbed, et cetera? And, you know, as I have been telling you about the conversations that I had on my trip back, restitution. And that's one thing, and remedy. And that's one thing um, that with our current system, you don't see. If someone, you know, were to murder, for example, your your wife, who is also your business partner, then that that deprives the, um, you know, you have a, a, a romantic partner, it deprives your children of a, a parent, it deprives your business of some uh, economic, um, you know, prosperity or whatever and the person may or may not get caught but if they are caught then they possibly go to jail who does that benefit it doesn't it doesn't benefit it doesn't benefit um the person who's the victim the people that get the cheap license plates is who who it it, uh, benefits and that's the big problem is that that uh, restitution is a much better way to uh, delve out justice. And in Mary Ruart's book, have you read that book, Michelle? Mary Ruart's book, Healing Our World in an Age of Aggression? I haven't, but um, I understand that Ian has a copy for me. So. It's fabulous. But she talks about rest- restitution in detail. And when she lays it out the way she does, I think there's a lot of people out there who you can't really, you're not going to be able to pour a fire hose of liberty into them. But that's one book I'll, I'll recommend to people if I know I don't have a lot of face time with them to talk with them. And I've had people get back to me later on a month or two later and say, that book just changed my life. That's how good it is. Mm-hmm. So go Absolutely. on. So go on about um, uh, your uh, Tucson there. And uh, there's a lot of positive things I understand happening in Arizona because there's a lot of Liberty activists in that state. And oh, Phoenix for sure. Yeah. in Phoenix for sure. But, but in other places too, now, where would you say is probably the most anti-liberty part of Arizona? Oh, my. Well, uh, Tucson is a, a fairly liberal place, but uh, I, I don't know that I would consider any of them particularly. Maybe when you get into northern Arizona and the Flagstaff region. The more, Arizona, the more populated but, areas, possibly? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Phoenix is going to have a lot more police, and that's going to curb liberty, but I don't think statewide we've got, unless you're a Mexican, uh, I don't think we have any uh, laws that are, that, are, that are worse than what's going on in the rest of the country. Uh, now, that is, in, if you're not a Mexican citizen, in which case it's complete tyranny and horror across the border. So, Well, I understand that the state of Arizona has been in pretty tough, tough financial shape and that they actually had to sure. sell their state capital and then lease it back. What's the story on that? You know, I really actually don't follow too much of what the politicos are doing with their property. Um, I don't really get a say in it, so um, I haven't concerned. I have heard that listening to the Freedom's Phoenix guys, um, but again, I don't really follow the politics too much. Well, great, Justin. Thanks so much for calling, and and we hope to hear from you again. Thank you for having me on the air. All right. Good night, then. Good night. Good night. Oh, there you went again. 
Uh-oh. Well, we'll come back in a minute, and this is the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, and we'll figure out how to get this thing dropped. And let's see here. Give us a call, 435-603-435-1105. Free Talk Live, Sunday edition. We'll be back. Welcome to the final segment. Only moments remain of the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, where you call in and let us know what's on your mind. And we, hopefully you don't get hung up on Yes, and hopefully I don't hang up on you because I'm a disaster on this board tonight. No, you are not a disaster. You're a hot mess, baby. I'm a hot mess, You're baby. You're a hot mess. Well, and people like me. Remember Stuart Smalley? <laughs> And people, darn it, people like me. That hesitation was fantastic. (laughs) But anyway, we've got Dave from Montana on the line, so let's talk to Dave. Hey, Dave, are you there? Hey, greetings, Free Talk Live. Hey, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings. Our old friend Dave, you've been calling in for quite a a while, Dave. How long has it been now? Uh, Yeah, ever since they they were on the air out here on KGEZ, and then... uh, you sound like Rocky Balboa. I'm yeah. sure you've been told that before, right? Yeah, well, yeah. I w- in, when he came out, I was in high school. It was about like 74 or something like that. And everybody came up to me and they said, Dave, you got to see this movie, this guy. <laughs> right, so say, Rocky so, movie. Do you look like him? Yo, Adrian. And ever since that day... Everybody thinks I'm trying to sound like him, but he ripped me off, man. <laughs> That's I, right. I, You're I probably, are you older? Was, <laughs> I'm 55 now. Okay, well, but, Stallone is about his early back. 60s, but I, I think you probably had plenty of time to get your shtick down. I think it, you're just in a parallel universe with Sly Stallone. <laughs> I talk like this way before, yeah, and even in the in the service, the, everybody thought I was trying to imitate him, but... Uh, yeah. Uh, I I have a good friend I went to college with who also sounds a lot like you and Sly and it, when, I the first time the I heard you call gener- in Yeah the first I time I heard you call second, Go ahead I'm sorry I think it's the second generation Italian thing or something from the East Coast and all of that Sure sure but anyway what were you going you were going to discuss marijuana oh, yeah, versus yeah. hemp Well I first of all I'd like to say uh I come to the conclusion that they don't want us to have hemp because it will feed you, clothe you, house you, and make fuel for you. There's right. 25,000 uses for this plant. At least. It's a gift to create from the creator to the human beings. Mm-hmm. And, and the government is evil, and they don't want us to have it because it's meant for humans to have it. If it was in the hands of the farmer, the Dominoes of liberty would start falling. Jobs would be created. People would be fed. It feeds you the most nutritious food known to mankind. But it's taken a bad road. The medical marijuana is a road that leads to more control. It turns the uh, uh, cannabis users against one another. Uh, A pure example was the the growers in California voted against the decriminalization of it because they were making more money off of it. That was back in 97. Hey, Dave, it, wasn't that back in 97 craziness. or 
No, that's just happened a while back. It was defeated uh, last year, a year and a half ago, maybe just last year. Yeah, I think and back in was... back in '97, it was. Um, I didn't uh, consume marijuana at the time, um, and uh, uh, it was. They voted to decriminalize it, and the then governor overturned the decision, the vote. Well, they were going to de. It went up for again just about a year ago, and it got defeated. And that was because uh, all the medical marijuana growers voted against the decriminalization of it. They're, they're getting high-priced dollar for it, man. The reason why the medical marijuana was brought up out here in Montana, uh, we got the initiative passed, and uh, I, I got 376 uh, signatures. But we it was intended for cheap uh Access to medication now. Now that it's up to two seventy five an ounce, what? And stuff like that. It's crazy. Wow, you could get, you, you can know, get it for that price. It's starting to come down a little because there's kind of like pot wars and stuff. But the whole it just leads to more. The answer is to make it like uh, the home brew laws and to allow hemp to be free to be grown by our farmers because the. The get high part of the marijuana keeps the hemp out of the hands of the farmer. Can you imagine how well uh, the United States farmer would do if um, if they were allowed to grow hemp? And just in terms of our, right. you know, they the- could get refineries going. It, it would it would create jobs. Uh, it, there's no end to it. There's twenty five thousand uses to it. You know. But we're up against, you know, the big oil machine, you know, the oil. And timber, too. The timber lobby was partially responsible, I understand. Yeah, Yeah, Hearst and them with with, uh, criminalizing marijuana back in the 30s, I guess. There's 800,000 people in jail because of of a plant that will feed you, clothe you, house you. It's it's crazy. And that's only because they're into private prisons right now and they need people. To fill them. Yeah. And punch license plates and stuff. So if someone well, knows... Make furniture and sell it to people now, and they only make it for like 24 cents an hour. They got like free slave labor. Most of the prisons are privately owned now. Well, It's a you, whole new industry. If you multiply that 800,000 times, um, it's basically $2.4 million, I think. No, 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 no. That's not right. So it's like uh, $2.4 Right, $2.4 billion a year. year, I believe, to to uh, house those 800,000 um, inmates. Yikes. Yep. Yikes. Well, basically, it's it's state-subsidized slave labor. Yeah. And, of course, pe- most people don't look at it that way because we've gotten so um, uh, desensitized to it. And also, if you remember, Dave, during the 80s and 90s, when the war on drugs really started to gather steam, you had all the politicians grandstanding about, because they had all these drive-by shootings and all this crime related to illegal drugs, and so that was their their pretext for passing a lot of these unconstitutional laws, uh, denying people a due process, and, and taking their property away. If you find a joint in their house, you know, take their house away, take their car away. Uh, the police departments, in many cases, were getting a percentage of the booty when when they would confiscate money or property in a drug raid. And so there's a lot of very perverse incentives in the drug war, which have to be reexamined, I think, very carefully. Because All that federal money going into the corrupt hands, it's just like during Prohibition. All the 
all the moonshiners and, and the bootleggers were, were joined forces with the Baptists. You know, they were like, keep it illegal, keep it illegal. Yeah, yeah, so we can make all the money off of it. They're making, there's like, I think it's $20 billion a year they spend on the drug war on the states. Wow. And, it, it, you know, it never really, they, the, the police stations are getting rich. It, it supports corruption. The whole drug war is a farce. It, it just... Excuse me, Dave. Uh, why are you in... Fun. Dave, why are you in California? Why aren't you out here in New Hampshire? He's Montana. Uh, I'm in, I mean, uh, Montana. I'm sorry, Montana. Sorry. Well, Montana is a very liberty-oriented state, too. So you're from the East Coast, Dave. Uh, did you go to Montana well, to get away from the East Coast well, I, political well, scene? I joined the Marine Corps to, to like, escape New Jersey. Then I did my four years, and I got out in California, so they gave me money to go home, so I hitchhiked home, bumped into the Rocky Mountains for the first time, mm. and went, wow, it's true, Purple Mountain Majesty. Right, so it's beautiful I went, there. I went home to Jersey, made, like, $1,000, and then looked on the map, and I picked Glacier National Park in Montana because it was July I wanted to up in snow. I wanted to see the glaciers. So I went to Montana. It ran out of money in Montana and got a job and been here ever since. And that was in 1979. Wow. That is an awesome story, Dave. Awesome story. And, you know, so when you, when you go out in public and, and do you, are there people that are very active politically like there are in New Hampshire for Liberty or is it more, are people more isolated? I'm in a ski bum town, kind of. It's a melting pot. There's people from all over the states here. <clears throat> and ski bums only worry about s- snow and getting their pass and working. No, and they do. Here, no, no, no. That is not true. That is not true. They do not worry <laughs> well, about not, snow well, nah, and getting their we're pass. Not much nah, political. Uh, we're not in. No, we're what, not what they worry about much. is their next big epic powder run baby <laughs> hugging right. clips yeah, right. <laughs> that's very and, true and, dave and, and and around here too it's our own little economic system like we're so far off the track and everything you know we got all kinds of uh farming going on people you know butchery and stuff and buffaloes and elk and I have some you friends know, out in New in, uh, Montana, and it was very tempting to maybe go there instead of here. But um, I really, you know, with my activism and and my position on um, on income tax, I really wanted to be around like minded people. So yay, New Hampshire! And yay, Dave, for calling in. It was, it was really great to hear from you, Dave. Call in again sometime Dave, when we're you on. Guys have a great evening. Thanks. Have you a too. Great evening. too. Good night. From Free Talk Live Sunday Edition, this is Wayne. And Michelle. And we'll see you soon. Oh no, we better drop him right.